How's everybody doing this morning? Good to be with you guys. Uh, if you're newer or a guest of ours today, let me introduce myself. My name is Britton Taylor. I have the joy of serving as our Loudon location pastor here at McLean Bible Church, and I have the honor of teaching God's Word today uh, two weeks in a row, back to back. Uh, so I appreciate it. That was not me fishing for a compliment there. Uh, humbling moment to step in and, and to proclaim God's Word. But before we dive in, uh, as summer officially comes to an end, by the way, happy Labor Day weekend or happy start of college football uh, for some of us. Um, and we look forward to the fall. I want to make sure that you are aware of two opportunities, and then I want to give one shout out before we dive into God's Word. The first opportunity is what we're calling NBC Step One. Uh, we are overjoyed that there are so many new faces joining us each and every week here at McLean Bible Church Loudon. Uh, if you are new or newer uh, to NBC Loudon, uh, I, I want you to know that you're deeply loved by God. Uh, and you matter to God and you matter to us. And this is an effort for us to just to get to know you better and to share a little bit more about our church family, our beliefs, our culture, uh, just what we're all about to give you a chance to meet some of our leaders here in this congregation. So I want to invite each of you who are newer or not as well connected as you would like to be uh, to NBC Loudon Step 1. Um, on Sunday, September 24th, you see it, it's going to be at 1 p.m., uh, immediately following this worship gathering, uh, and we will provide uh, lunch for you. This is just going to give you an opportunity uh, for you to know how to meaningfully connect into our church family. The, the secret sauce of McLean Bible Church and McLean Bible Church Loudon is not a personality, it's not a performance, and it's so much more than what happens on Sunday morning, and we would love to share more about that with you. So uh, make yourself, uh, make every effort to be uh, at this opportunity for you, step one. The second opportunity uh, for you, uh, especially for those who look to McLean Bible Church Loudon as your home church is, I want to make sure that you're aware of uh, something we are calling leadership cohort. Our hope is to strengthen, to raise up more and more leaders across our church family. Um, some time ago, we began to pray and think and strategize about ways that we could strengthen existing group leaders and raise up more group leaders. But we quickly realized as we started to put this together, this would be a great opportunity for anyone across our church family who just desires to learn how the Holy Spirit shapes diverse people in community where Jesus is the center of it. So if that just uh, if that's something that you would like to lean into, you could worship with us at 9.15 starting next week and be a part of this leadership cohort for four weeks. Uh, and it's just an aim to help strengthen and raise up more leaders across our church family. I'm confident it will be an encouragement uh, to each of you who commit to that. Uh, you can commit to that by uh, here using this QR code. You can go out to the lobby uh, and let us know at the connect table, or you could just email us loudon at mcleanbible.org. So there's your two opportunities. You guys ready for the shout out? Uh, earlier this year, actually in May, we put before uh, our congregation here at NBC Loudon the opportunity for this summer for many of you to step up and serve in our kids' ministry. And in fact, many of you did that, and we're here to give a huge shout out to those who invested in the spiritual formation of our children over the course of this summer. So we are so grateful for you. And I wanna even at this time, just give a round of applause to those who are invested into our kids ministry serve team. There's 
a number of ways that you have served, uh, and it all has made a meaningful impact in the lives of children and families all across Loudoun. And so we want to thank you. Uh, you should have already received an email notifying you, but we're going to celebrate you at, uh, at a place called um, uh, Funtastics, which is a popsicle place at One Loudon. Anybody ever been there before? Uh, you get a good popsicle over in One Loudon, so you can drop by about three o'clock this afternoon. It's just gonna be a time for us to say thank you. Uh, you can stick around and hang out, uh, but we want to honor you today and give you a huge shout out for those of you who have served on our Kids Ministry Serve team. All right, so with that said, if you have a copy of God's Word, let's turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. If you don't have a copy, I'm going to let you know that the verses are going to be on the screen, but I'd encourage you, if you need a copy of God's Word, just let us know. Um, We'd love to give you a gift today of a copy of God's Word. If you need help learning how to read that and apply it to your life, just better understand God's Word. One of the greatest honors of our church is to help people uh, better understand God's word. So just let us know. Uh, We'd love to sit down with you and help you know how to read and apply God's word in your life. Just stop by the connect table after our worship service. But we're in Luke chapter 17 and we're beginning in verse 11. We're going to look at the story of Jesus cleansing 10 lepers and only one comes back to Jesus with a heart of praise and gratitude. And as we turn our focus on this passage, I want to begin with a question for you. It's a, it's a personal question. It's going to require you to reflect on this question throughout the duration of my teaching today from God's Word. And here's the question for you. What flows out of your heart when you consider the gift of God's mercy? What flows out of your heart when you consider the gift of God's mercy? Growing up as a kid, I had one uncle who knew how to give legendary gifts, okay? I mean, I'm talking about gifts that would push the limits of what my parents felt comfortable with. Does anybody have an uncle like that? Is anybody that person in your family? You just give gifts that really pushes the boundaries of what these parents are feeling is comfortable. Well, my uncle was that. He still to this day is that, by the way. He's a lot of fun at uh, parties and uh, Christmas gatherings and birthdays, uh, celebrations. But he gave me a motorcycle (laughs) at the age of five. And uh, I think my mom was really disturbed. She was not a a big fan of that decision, but I was unaware of that and really unconcerned because, well, I got a motorcycle. Uh, I'm pretty sure my uncle was just trying to stick it to his older sister in that moment. Uh, But regardless, I, I still to this day remember that moment looking at that red Honda 50 and just this sheer excitement, just, it just welled up within me and I started like just screaming and jumping around and saying thank you. And I just couldn't imagine, are you serious? I'm five years old and I have a motorcycle right now. Gas powered, the thing would get after it, okay? I mean, this thing could really turn on the juice and get going. This is a legendary uncle who knew how to give incredible gifts. I had another uncle on the other side of my family. He was a step uncle. And he didn't really know how to give good gifts. In fact, one, one time for my birthday, he gave me a reference book on baseball cards. <laughs> he didn't give me baseball cards. He gave me a reference book about baseball cards. And I'm sitting there thinking, my goodness, I don't know what to Well, thank you so much for this. I'm going to put it on my bookshelf and stare at it for the next couple of years. But 
He, he didn't understand how to give really good gifts. And I remember even opening gifts from him and looking at my dad. And my dad would look at me and like kind of you get over there and say thank you to your uncle. And so I'd have to get up and like force it like, oh, man, I'm really thankful for this gift, you know. And so I start out with that illustration because I want us to consider today what flows from our hearts and our lives when we think about the gift of the mercy of God in our life. We're going to look at a story that might seem a bit peculiar at first, but it's a story that communicates a profound truth. And our response to Jesus is directly tied to our belief in just how priceless his gift of mercy is and how desperately we are in need of it. Let me say that again. Our response to Jesus is directly tied to our belief in just how priceless his gift of mercy is and how desperately we are in need of it. We're in the Gospel of Luke today. It's one of the earliest accounts of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Luke is the author, and he opens up this whole gospel right out of the gate in Luke chapter 1, verse 1. He says, I'm writing these things. I want to compile a narrative about the things that have been accomplished among us. He's compiling the story of Jesus. And that story is not just some disconnected, random spiritual narrative, but it's the culmination of God's story in the world. And I would suggest to you today, the story of Jesus is not disconnected from your life story. Wherever you stand, whatever your faith looks like today, even in this passage that we're going to be studying today, we see clear and powerful themes for each of our lives. It illustrates to each of us our great need for God. It reveals God's great mercy toward us in Jesus. It leads us to consider our own response to God's offer to meet our greatest need. And just like this one leper we will see in the story, the plot lines of our life can only find a happy ending in the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for you on the cross. Rightly understood, we see this story points us to that which every human heart truly needs. God's gift of mercy through Jesus. All of Luke is filled with incredible stories that show us the heart of Jesus and his mission on earth. Luke is, is the author of this gospel. He's not only a physician, but a meticulous historian. So you need to pay attention to the details when you're reading and studying this gospel. He carefully investigated and recorded the events surrounding Jesus' life to provide us with an accurate and compelling uh, account of the good news. Throughout the gospel account, we encounter Jesus as the compassionate and inclusive Savior. Now, if you've been around for a while, you might be thinking, Britain, did you just mix up your words? Isn't Jesus the exclusive Savior? And in one sense, he is, but he's also an inclusive Savior because we see throughout this gospel, Jesus constantly is reaching out to the marginalized. He's healing the brokenhearted. He's offering hope to the lost. And Luke paints this beautiful picture of Jesus' love for all people regardless of your background, regardless of your social status. I'm not sure if this is resonating yet with anyone here today, but what I'm saying is regardless of where you've been, 
Regardless of what you've done, regardless of what you're going through, Jesus not only knows your life, he is compassionate towards you. To say it another way, regardless of the mess that you've made, you're not too far gone in the economy of Jesus. And we see that clearly. Jesus is not turned off by these people's mess. In fact, he's such an inclusive savior that regardless of their mess and regardless of your mess, he loves you, he cares for you, and he desires, and in fact, is the only one. There's the exclusive aspect of Jesus, our savior. He's the only one who is able to redeem and to restore you and to make you whole again. When you read through the Gospels, you begin to see a key theme emerge. And we're going to see this here in this passage. Those who Jesus had the most problems with were not those with the biggest problems. <laughs> Is that not a good word? I, I know some, some people that are newer into spaces like this. They come into church and they, they size up the room. They look around and they think to themselves, these people have it together. So this must not be for me. But then you start reading the Gospels and you get a different theme. You get a different story. You get a different picture. In fact, Jesus didn't have the biggest problem. He didn't have problems with those who had the biggest problems. He had the, the most problems with those who refused to acknowledge they had problems. The ones who acknowledged their great need and came to Jesus to have that need met. He met them, at that, he met them in that need. He cared for them. He forgave them. He transformed them. And he called them to a path where they could experience the fullness of life now and forever. So turn our attention to Luke chapter 17. It's in the middle of a section. The author is telling about Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. Verse 11, it says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Luke begins this story by telling us that the event that took place uh, here is when Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. This is, in fact, the third time that he's mentioned this detail that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Back in Luke chapter 9, verse 51 is the first time Luke records this detail when it says in verse 51, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. So chapter 7 is in this middle of this larger section of the gospel, chapters 9 through 19, and he's traveling through, he's passing through uh, Samaria and Galilee. Now, if you're familiar with the historical context here, you know that there's a lot of hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans. You know that Jews had no dealings with Samaritans, and it was it was such a hostile uh, relationship between the two groups that Jews would go out of their way, the long way on a journey in order not to bump into a Samaritan. But this isn't how Jesus operates. When everyone is welcome into the kingdom of God, you don't ostracize any group. So Jesus decided to pass through Samaria and Galilee. And verse 12 says, as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. 
It's on the outskirts of this unnamed village on the borderlands of Samaria and Galilee. Ten leprous men stood at a distance in various stages of physical, emotional, and spiritual decay. Leprosy was one of the most devastating and most stigmatized diseases that you could possibly imagine. In, in, the time, in this time of history, leprosy encompassed a range of skin conditions and diseases. It's, it often caused unimaginable pain, physical pain, disfiguring skin lesions. There was nerve damage and even the loss of fingers and toes. It was physically debilitating but it was also socially isolating. These lepers were required to live apart from the rest of community. They were separated from their family and friends, even in such difficult, painful, physical times, and it only compounded their suffering. And there was no known cure. It was essentially a death sentence. People with this disease would slowly deteriorate physically and mentally and emotionally. And here were 10 men like standing there in their torn clothes in a, a state of perpetual mourning. And they're likely warning them as they're coming near, unclean, unclean. They look like they're probably looking like zombies that just climbed out of their graves. And as sad and as dreadful as their outward appearance was, their inward reality might have been even worse. They looked like dead people, but they were still alive, feeling all of the feelings. They're sensitive human beings experiencing the worst of this broken world. In verse 13, it says, and they lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So these 10 lepers from a safe distance shouted this plea, Jesus, have mercy on us. And it's likely that they kept saying it over and over, mercy, mercy. They're calling out for Jesus to have mercy on them. And verse 14 says, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Go show yourself to the priest. Now, that's interesting. There was no touch from Jesus like he'd done previously. There's no, there's no pronouncement to these people, be clean. He just simply, simply gives them a command, go show yourself to the priest. The command was to do what a cured leper would do. In Leviticus, one of the books in the Old Testament, if you were healed, then you were required to go be examined by a priest before you could enter back into society. And if you were seen as cured after that examination, then you would undergo an eight-day ceremony that then you could be reunited with your family. So this had to be a crazy moment for these 10 lepers. This had to be a, a moment where they're like a little bit confused like, what do we do? And, and, and so maybe they looked at each other and collectively they made the decision. Like, I, I, we know that Jesus could heal us. We've heard this from stories around. 
But this is going to be really painful for us physically to go to the priest and then show up and us just be told, you're unclean, leave. But the consensus was, we might as well give it a try. And so they stumbled away at their slow leper's pace. And the end of verse 14 says, as they went, they were cleansed. (laughs) They were cleansed. Miraculously healed. I'm not sure how it went down, but you have to just assume there is pure celebration in this moment. An uproar of cheering and dancing is likely. Maybe they're stunned in silence. Tears are probably flowing down their healed face. And it might have happened when one noticed his own hands or felt his own strength coming back in his feet. Or maybe one looked at another one in the face and, 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 and acknowledged or saw the, the ear beginning to reemerge or their nose beginning to reemerge. Or maybe the rough skin felt soft again. But we don't know the details, but we can certainly assumed that there was a celebration in that moment, jumping and and crying and cheering and hugging. And verse 15 says, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. One of them had this irresistible response of praise and gratitude toward God that caused this one to turn back and head back for Jesus. It it says he, he was praising God. He had loudly shouted for mercy, and now he's loudly shouting the praises of God. You guys connecting this? It says it was with a loud voice. The original phrase here in the New Testament is where we get our word megaphone from. It was this mega voice of praise. He wasn't mumbling under his breath. He wasn't going through the motions, kind of thinking through what's going to happen on later on this weekend. He was dialed in, loudly praising God for his act of mercy. And verse 16 says... He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And it says, now he was a Samaritan. He returned and fell down. He, his heart literally overwhelmed with gratitude for God's mercy for him through Jesus. So I don't know if you're picturing this, but I, I need you to have this mental image going on. There were 10 lepers standing at a distance. They were miraculously healed as they're on their way to the priest. Nine of them keep going. Only one returns, and the one is praising God with this loud voice, and he's at the feet of Jesus, face down, giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan. (laughs) Thank you, Luke, for that detail. Everyone is welcome No matter your background, no matter your standing in society, no matter your mess, your mess is not too messy for Jesus. No matter your social status, no matter matter what is going on in your life, there is nothing that disqualifies you from his kingdom. His mercy is available to you in whatever state you find yourself in. And for some of you, even now you're hearing this in a life-giving way and you feel it in your own heart. Praise is rising up in your heart, praising God for his mercy. 
Gratitude is welling up within you. You just want to run to the feet of Jesus and say, thank you. Are you serious? This undeserved mercy. And you feel it in this moment. It's rising up within you. I want everyone to hear, if you have sinned your way into helplessness, there is redemption. There is mercy. God sees you in your mess, and he's not only willing to pay the price, he has already paid the price on the cross for your mess, for your failures, for your sin, and he can redeem you fully and forever. Can somebody say amen to that? But others, you hear this story, you hear this, and your response is more similar to a gift that you've been given that you're not really that fired up about. It's not really moving you to praise God. You're hearing this and you're more concerned about college football or what you got going on this afternoon. What's so ready for the Labor Day weekend? You hear this and maybe what marks your response is apathy. It's distance. It's not that you want to be ungrateful. You know you need to. Like you've, you need to be grateful. It's not that you, you, you want to be ungrateful. It's just not welling up from within this praise of God and this gratitude toward Jesus. And here's the reality before us today. It's difficult in Loudoun County to be aware of just how needy you are for God's gift of mercy in Jesus. Our county is filled to the brim with those who lead out with their ability. They trust in their accomplishments. They take pride in their pedigree. They point to their resume. These are the things that I've accomplished. There's this prevailing do better, try harder, be successful mentality that we all swim in in this county. And we swim in that culture. And I need you to understand me. Your needs, like these 10 lepers, go so much deeper than what your efforts can overcome. What your religious accomplishments can overcome. Let me say it this way. God doesn't applaud the clean. God has mercy on those who come to him with their need. And this is why we need to be very careful and aware of this this, uh, reality before us as we live in Loudoun County because you and I can slip into operating and relating to the God of the universe based upon our accomplishments and our pedigree and our resume and all that we have done and not out of our great need for his mercy. It happens all across our county. Let's keep going. Here's the scene. One leper, a Samaritan, has returned, praising God and thanking Jesus. He's literally face down at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus asks three questions. In verse 17, he says, were not 10 cleansed? He's looking around. There's one at his feet, and he says, 
Were not 10 of them cleansed? Where, where are the nine? There's the second question. And the third one, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? All 10 of them had been miraculously healed. And only one returned to praise and thank Jesus. And it was the one that was least expected to do so. (laughs) Why does Jesus ask these questions? Well, some would suggest, and I happen to agree with this, that Jesus in this moment is speaking out of his humanity. The Christian faith is is a faith that affirms that Jesus is both fully God and fully human. And and, and oftentimes in circles like this, we operate uh, well with Jesus being fully God, but we struggle with this reality that he's fully human. But Jesus in this moment is fully human and can experience in real time, real emotion, sadness, hurt, disappointment. And Jesus is looking around and saying, where are the other nine Do they realize what I just did? Now, what happened to the other nine? We we don't know. The, the, The story doesn't give us those details. Why they didn't come back. What ended up being their story? We're not sure. Were they just so caught up in being cleansed? Were they so caught up in getting their life back to normal? We're not sure, but what we are sure of is that the response of the nine to this healing revealed a spiritual reality in their lives. And the response of this one foreigner revealed a spiritual reality as well. For the one foreigner, his heart was transformed by the mercy of God in Christ Jesus. And for the nine, they got their temporary lives back, but they missed out on the greatest possible moment of their entire existence, which was praising God and thanking Jesus for his mercy. So I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss the details that Luke has given us. The story started out with 10 at a distance, and the story ends with one in the presence of Jesus. It starts out, all 10 of them are standing off at a distance, making a request, and at the end, only one of them is in the presence of Jesus. And the story ends with this pronouncement from Jesus, God in the flesh, in verse 19, said to this one foreigner, he said, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. In the original, it can literally be translated, your faith has saved you. (laughs) He received forgiveness. He received reconciliation. He was received the mercy of God and given eternal life. All the distance between him and God had been forever removed. He not only was healed of his physical sickness, he was healed of his deeper and more lasting disease, which was his spiritual need for mercy. He received the gift of God's mercy in Jesus. And you say, well, how do you know he received that? Because he had a heart of praise to God and a life of gratitude to Jesus for the mercy he had just received. 
By grace, he came to see how priceless the gift of Jesus was and how desperate he was in need of it. And that's why he came with loud shouts of praise. He fell at the feet of Jesus in gratitude, and Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. All ten of them wanted mercy, did they not? All ten of them lifted their voices to Jesus, did they not? All ten of them referred to Jesus as master. And none of them got what they wanted, but only one of them got what they truly needed. Only one was made whole that day. So to wrap things up, I just want to bring it to a close and bring a few points of application to our lives today in light of this remarkable story from the Gospel of Luke. First point of application is for those of you who are painfully aware of areas of your life that are unclean. You feel abandoned, you feel alone, you feel forgotten, you feel like the mess is just too messy. I want you to hear me say, based upon this story and all of the revelation of God, Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. Verse 14 says, when he saw them. Is that not an extraordinary detail given to us by Luke? He doesn't say when Jesus heard them. You see, these men were likely screaming at the top of their lungs, but he doesn't say when Jesus heard them. He says when Jesus saw them. When Jesus saw them. And friend, he sees you. He sees your struggles. He sees your pain. He sees your disappointment. You're not invisible to him. Even in the difficulty of your circumstances, you are not forgotten by Jesus of Nazareth. You're not forgotten. There is no other faith system in the world, ladies and gentlemen, that gives such certain and concrete hope to those who are in need. Is there not? Jesus always meets people right where they are. Wherever you are, he sees you and he deeply cares for you. And you can find comfort in that truth today. You can turn to Jesus and receive his love and his mercy and his comfort in your difficult days in this journey of life. For those of you who are painfully aware of the areas of your life that are unclean, Jesus sees you. But I also need to let you know for those who relate to God based on your accomplishments, listen to me, Jesus knows you. Jesus knows the real you. Not the polished, put together you, but the real you. He knows you inside and out. He knows your flaws. He knows your mistakes. He knows your imperfections. And yet his love and mercy for you is greater than all of your flaws and failures put together. But he doesn't relate to you based on your accomplishments. He relates to you out of an overflow of his mercy toward you who is in great need of him. That's how he relates to you. He journeyed to Jerusalem 
is what the text says. And when he arrived, he died on the cross, listen, not to help people in Loudoun County top things off on an already successful life. That's not what he was doing. He journeyed to Jerusalem. He died on the cross. He paid the penalty due our sins, our unbelief, our rebellion, and he paid it in full. And then he rose from the grave to rescue you from the pit. That's how great of a need you're in. That's how bad you need the mercy of God. And can we just keep it real in this space? We don't like to be needy. We like to be accomplished. We like to be put together. We're vulnerable in our need, are we not? So we seek to be self-reliant, independent. We tuck away our weaknesses, hide our struggles. But listen to me, Jesus knows you. Jesus knows. The real you. And he doesn't have mercy on the polished you. He has mercy on the real you. He knows you. Thirdly, for each of us who come to realize our great need for mercy, and we bring that to Jesus, listen to me, Jesus makes you whole. Verse 19, some powerful words he gives to this foreigner. This man who was healed of leprosy, he looks at him and he says, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. His faith didn't just physically make him well. Jesus physically made all 10 of them well. But to this one, he said, your faith has made you well. It's made you whole. It's saved you. That's how some Bible translations, you might even have a note in your Bible that says, it's a suggested translation, your faith has saved you. This one leper This one outcast, this one person who was on the outside looking in, received from Jesus that which he ultimately needed. Redemption. Restoration. Ultimate healing by the grace of God. And by the grace of God, he received the greatest gift ever offered, the mercy of God in Christ Jesus. And so I close with this. For those of us who have received God's gift of grace, of mercy in Jesus, our response must be praise and gratitude. We know this person had received it because he was at the feet of Jesus. He was loudly shouting to God and he's at the feet of Jesus giving thanks. Can I tell you a fear of mine for for those who are religiously affiliated to the Christian faith in Loudoun County is that you can get what you actually want from Jesus from afar. Did you know that? You can operate with Jesus out of your own accomplishments and you can stand afar off and you can draw a whole host of things that you're looking for but you don't get the very thing you need. When you receive the mercy of God in Christ Jesus, your response must be praise and gratitude. Run into the feet of Jesus. 
constantly coming back to him, abiding in this new relationship with Jesus with a heart overflowing with praise and gratitude. So I end with the same question that I've begun with, which is this. What flows out of your heart when you consider the gift of God's mercy toward you? What flows out of your own heart? Is it apathy? Is it distance? Is it a little bit underwhelming? Or does something just well up within you, a heart of praise and gratitude toward Jesus? This is an indicator of your spiritual well-being and your relationship with the God of the universe. We must respond with praise and gratitude when we receive the gift of God's mercy in our life. Let's pray together. I just want to give you a few moments um, to reflect on that question. To consider your own response to God's incredible gift of mercy in our life. And some of you, you just need to receive that great gift of mercy even now. Maybe you've had some religious experiences, but you are not in right relationship with the God of the universe. And can I tell you that that relationship is not built on your accomplishments. It's built on the mercy of him that he shows you in Jesus. If that's you, would you even now turn to Jesus in faith? Receive it. Receive that gift of mercy and allow within your heart to rise up this praise towards God and a gratitude for what he's done. For some of you in response, maybe you're considering what's in your own heart and it's not praise and gratitude, it's apathy, it's distance, it's just coldness. Would you just go to God? He knows you inside and out. No matter what you've done, would you just go to him and ask for mercy? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, the savior of the world and trust in him. And for some of you right now, it's all, it's just coming out. You just praise and gratitude is coming out. Just spend a few moments praising God and giving him thanks for the incredible mercy he's shown you. I'll give you just a few moments in this and then our worship team will lead us in a response song.